So it is now the 100th episode for BU Podcast. And I am feeling so many emotions at once. I'm surprised for some reason that it's 100 already. It's gone so quickly. I'm proud, really proud of myself. I am grateful for every single one of you because you are the reason it has grown. You're the reason other people found out about this podcast. You have shared this consistently with your friends and your community, with your family members. And I I can't even tell you how grateful I am. And I also am elated is the word I would use. I'm elated that me stepping into the unknown and jumping without a net and following a prompt, what felt stronger than a whisper, but a prompt and a message has brought all of us together in a place where we all have grown. Those of you who have been here from episode one, this is especially dedicated to you. Listening week after week, two episodes a week, think of where you were a year ago. The podcast was live October 27th of 2020, so we're not quite at a year from then, but it's been a year since the first episode was recorded. So when you first listened, compared to now, look where you are now compared to then. What do you see that is different in your way of being, in your outlook on life, the level of love you have for yourself? The way you see your partner, your children, your parents, your level of forgiveness, your ability to forgive yourself and others. Where are you now compared to then when you hear the word trauma, when you look back at your own childhood, when you think about the life that you want to have and when you look at the life that you actually have? I know that there's a huge difference between the way all of that lands today compared to when this podcast launched. And that's because of you, because you have decided to be consistent. You have decided to listen to this instead of just putting on the radio and listening to music. You have decided to allow this to become part of you, to integrate into you. If you haven't processed and you haven't transmuted the pain, please don't look at this as some sort of timeline and and that you failed the test. Whatever you've done since episode one is all you were meant to do. Whatever you learned is what you were meant to learn. Whatever you didn't listen to wasn't meant to be heard. Whatever doesn't did not resonate with you, just be okay with it washing away. Whatever pulled at you or nudged you, it was meant to. Maybe just take some time and get on your phone and just scroll back through all of the topics that we have covered in the last year. The ones that stand out to you, maybe give them another listen. Just follow your own guidance on that. Give yourself a huge pat on the back for the number of hours 
of personal growth and personal development that you have dedicated to yourself and your own growth over the last year. And I'm going to do the same for myself. I'm going to give myself a big high five and a big hug and a big girl. And when you and I together look back on episodes one through 99, there's going to be nothing but gratitude for however they came out and however they turned out and however they are. It's how they were meant to be. And I'm so excited about the next 100 with you. And I'm so excited because many of you have brought so many friends along. Think of the growth that you and I are going to experience in this next year. We are going to do some major up-leveling. So speaking of that, so a few changes happening, be a podcast. So you already heard me announce that our spinoff channel, our second podcast channel, which is a subscription-based channel, is taking a hard left or right turn from BU in business to a coaching channel. And that will be coming out after the first of the year 2022. Another change is that we are going down to one episode a week. Now, some of you are going to hear this and you're going to be like, oh, thank God I couldn't keep up. Two a week was a lot. Others might be disappointed. I had a podcast that I loved and when they went down to one instead of two a week, I was kind of ticked off. I was like, wait, 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 what? I look forward to this every week, twice a week. We're going down to one a week, which is going to allow you to really dig in more, to really dig into what you listen to. The episodes will be coming out on Mondays and you'll have a full week for integration, a full week for processing, a full week to maybe listen to it again, do some exercises, do some journaling around it, a full week to really, really put to work what came through in that episode. Most months will have one interview a month and I've got some unbelievable guests coming your way. So excited. And we're going to really move into the space also of feminine energy, that divine feminine being, the allowing instead of the forcing and the pushing, intuition, the gifts that we have as women. So what I have for you today is a bit of a montage. And I chose these episodes because you chose them. These were by far the most popular episodes, the most downloaded and shared episodes of all 99. So you're going to hear excerpts from four different episodes. The first is episode number three called Head Trash. The second is episode 25 called Comfortably Numb. That was our second most popular. The third most popular was Bad Mother, episode number 15. And we're going to wrap up with the fourth most downloaded episode, Who Cares What They Think, episode number five. So I picked a section from each one of those that I felt packed the most punch. It's a bit of a review. The interesting thing is that the four most downloaded episodes were all in the first 25. So the first quarter, interesting, huh? And I hope you love this. I hope this becomes your favorite episode. A little slice of four different casseroles. Little different flavor to each one. 
but all very, very connected. Bad mother, who cares what they think, comfortably numb, and head trash. So I really hope you enjoy this episode, our 100th episode. Happy 100 episodes to us. I'm so excited about the next half with you and your friends and your communities. So many amazing things are about to happen in your life and in our lives because of this work we're doing together. I appreciate you so much. I read every single message. Those of you who are in our text community, you know who you are. Those of you who haven't yet jumped in, I invite you to do that. 260-217-4675. Remember, we're all going to gather together on Zoom, October 28th, and you have to text that number to get the Zoom link and get the details. Some big things are coming in these next 100 episodes. And I'm so excited that you'll be there for it. Thank you again so much for your time, for your support, for being willing to grow with me, for giving your time to someone who's not an expert on any of this, for loving me through the most painful and vulnerable moments of my life that I've shared with you, for greeting me with without judgment, And with so much acceptance and love, thank you so much. There's nothing like this community, our BU Collective. And the best is yet to come. Remember to breathe, love yourself, and surrender. I'll see you on the other side. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. You're worried that your your partner is going to be unfaithful. So you see something on their phone or you, you hear a whisper of something. I knew it. Today's the day I find out I'm getting cheated on. And they actually, actually were whispering about a surprise party they were planning for you. <laughs> That's a little more obvious. But what about some subtle ones? What about you feeling since you were a child that you were not beautiful? No one told you you weren't beautiful right? You didn't get chosen for something at school, or you went to get your picture taken on the first day of third grade, right? And you brought your picture home and your mom said, oh, shoot, why didn't we do your hair? And all she meant was she felt bad as a mom. She wished she would have curled your hair. She didn't mean you didn't look beautiful, but your meaning, the meaning you added was 
I'm not pretty enough. I, I'm not pretty enough. I didn't know that. Okay. I'm not pretty enough. And everything you experience and see throughout life is through the lens of what? I'm not pretty. I'm not pretty. I'm not pretty enough. I'm unattractive. So then you're an adult and you don't get asked on a date by some person and it means nothing. The universe is actually working in your favor and you don't get asked on a date because you're not going to like that person and you're not meant to be together. But the meaning you add is, I knew it's because I wasn't pretty. I knew I should have done my hair. I knew I should have. You see? Now, for some of you, this is old school. This is old, I mean, information. You know this. But my question for you, for those who are hearing this going, yep, got it. Yep, not new to me. Yep. Are you living this way? Are you consciously aware every day of those stories? Are you choosing to rewrite those stories? Are you teaching this information to other people? If you're not, that's okay. But if you're not, that means you're still on this journey. So as we're looking out to collect evidence to prove that those stories are true, we will manipulate what's actually happening to match what we see in our brain and what is in the subconscious because then we will feel calm. Then we will feel like everything is right in the world because the two opposites can't be true, right? If I'm certain, I'm certain that money is difficult to earn, and I'm certain that money causes problems in my subconscious, not in my conscious brain, in my subconscious, then when I go out to get a promotion and I know that it's going to come with more money, the story I might make up about that is, you know, here's the thing. It's going to be so much extra work. And I think Mary actually probably deserves it more. I mean, I can just, I, I can pass up this promotion and look into it in a year. And we don't know why we're doing it. But it's almost like we're zombies. You know, I'm picturing, we had my arms in front of me right now. It's like we're walking, you know, like zombies with our arms out in front of us. And, and you know, scrambled eggs for brains, having no idea why we keep getting these shitty results in our lives. Or maybe you're getting great results, but you're not feeling fulfilled. You achieve and you achieve and you've got all those boxes checked, checked but you never really feel like it's enough. Well, maybe that's because deep, deep, deep down, you have a limiting belief, a little voice, a story, head trash that's telling you you're not enough. So no matter how much you achieve, it will never be enough because you don't think you're enough. So every single limiting belief that we have, every story that is planted in our brain that we're using as a lens to look through for every experience, no matter what it is, and there are so many, boil down to one. If you want to whittle it all down, it all comes down to, I am not enough. I am afraid I'm not enough. And you might say, no, 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 mine is I'm afraid I'm too much. That's still a fear of not enough, right? If I'm afraid I'm going to be too much, and that was one of my, my entire life, you know, I didn't want to be too pretty because someone I don't trust might touch me in a way that I shouldn't be touched right? I didn't want to be too smart because then some of the boys at school wouldn't like me because if I beat them in ciphering and math, right, they wouldn't like me as much. It's cuter to dumb yourself down. So the fear of being too much, which is, it's a fear commonly held by women. Um, I actually didn't even realize uh, that I had that story 
until I read a book called The Big Leap, one of my very favorite books. I highly recommend that. We'll put it in the show notes, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And although I felt that way my whole life, I didn't know how to articulate it as I'm worried that I'm too much or I'll be too much. And I think then my insecurity and my ego was tripped by saying, oh, that's arrogant to say that. It doesn't mean you think you're you're worried that you're better than everybody. You're just worried you're going to be too much. And so you you put a muzzle on yourself. You shrink down. And so many of us do that. I think as women, we assume that most women are afraid that they're not enough, right? But truly the not enough, the lack manifest, manifests many times as I'm worried I'm going to actually be too much. So we don't raise our hand in the meeting. We don't speak up. We We call every conversation that isn't bubblegum confrontation. Oh, I hate confrontation, right? Well, it's not confrontation. It's just clear communication and clear communication is actually very healthy and very kind. But all of this that we're talking about starts to show up in our lives, not just in ways of us creating and adding meaning, right? To make those stories match what's in our head. It also starts manifesting physically. So I'll show you what that, what that looks like. When you look at your inner circle, you know, the the five or so people you spend the most time with outside of your spouse and your immediate family, by the way, the, the friends, the social relationships that you have, those people are probably making the same amount of money as you. They probably have about the same amount of debt. They probably have the same philosophy on life in general. They probably think the same way when it comes to whether or not they have a growth mindset or a, and a, a fixed mindset. Growth mindset comes from abundance. Fixed mindset comes from lack, right? They're very similar to you, even if they don't look like you, they have different jobs and you say, oh no, they're nothing like me. But when you really boil it down, here's what matches. Their head trash. Their head trash and your head trash are twinsies. The level of mastery around the head trash, twinsies. They may have different head trash, but you're probably at the same level, the same place in life as uh, with regard to your identification of the head trash and what you've done or, or been willing to do about it and your awareness around it. If you're someone who, and a lot of women, don't feel comfortable going out without makeup. Now, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with enjoying makeup. However, if you don't feel beautiful without it, there's a problem. If you don't feel beautiful without having your lashes on and your hair done and makeup on your face, that is absolutely something to explore. So in this group, what we're doing is saying, okay, if that's you, whether it's someone who just enjoys makeup or you don't feel pretty without makeup, not just going without makeup and having a bare face, but having your hair not done, having no lashes on and no makeup, but also walking into the world, like into a busy grocery store walking around and making eye contact with people, having conversations with people. What does that feel like? What's coming up for me? That is a way to grow yourself and break yourself out of the autopilot that you possibly could find yourself in or even be stuck in. So I told you on one of the past episodes that my word, and no one needs to choose a word for the year. I know it's a little cliche, but I love to, that my word was actually two words for 2021, fun and joy. And I told you that the reason I chose them, well, they chose me. I did this through meditation. I did this through journaling. I really sat with it for a while, and I'm certain that they are my words. There's a whole episode 
behind why those words chose me. But in a nutshell, I had shared that they were my words because for the word fun, I've always been funny, but I tend to not have fun. And it doesn't mean I'm a bump on a log and when I'm with a group, I can't engage. It's that I'm always stuck in things should be different than they are. Things should be better. What should I be doing? Are the kids okay? I didn't get the kitchen clean. I didn't do that. And I have found that's pretty typical with my Enneagram type. I certainly don't want to blame it on that. A lot of people are walking around saying, well, I'm like that because I'm a five or I'm a one. But it is very typical of a one. And that's my Enneagram number. If you haven't seen that episode by the way, oh my gosh, do yourself a favor and go back and find it with Tracy O'Malley. So I tend to overthink everything and I tend to not be present, but I also tend, as I said, to not have fun because of that. I never feel fully relaxed. I can't be fully present when when there's not a goal in mind. <laughs> I'm that serious about things. And even my relaxing is intentional. Like, it's time to relax. Nobody speak to me. No one texts me. I'm going to be in a hole for 28 hours, you know? So I looked at that and I'm like, how can I have fun? So everything I do, I am intentionally saying, how can I be fun? Not funny, fun. How can I be joy? And how can I find fun and joy in every single thing I'm doing, no matter what it is? It could be something pretty obvious like, Hey, I'm going to make sure that today I go to lunch with a friend and I, you know, I laugh a lot or whatever. But what if it's literally like, I'm going to break out of the numbing autopilot and I'm going to use my left hand when I'm using toilet paper. Okay. I know that sounds weird, but that's fun. It's like, okay, this is actually so weird, but it caused me to laugh trying to use my left hand. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm doing this, but I was able to giggle and laugh about that. Yes, I just shared that with you. (laughs) I may regret it later. So over this weekend, I, well, I had previously made plans with a longtime friend I hadn't seen in a while to go to lunch. And again, I am embracing fun and joy and trying my hardest to make this my reality and really, really embody this. So I went to lunch with her. And first of all, I rarely do that. And I mean, like it just doesn't happen. I don't take time to do things like that. So I was proud of myself for doing it. But what I'm really excited about, and you can do this too, is that I raised the bar and moved the carrot for myself like three times. As we were sitting there having lunch, it was wrapping up. You know, I mean, after two hours, usually lunches are over. And we were having so much fun and laughing so hard that I felt the old me saying, okay, time to wrap up, stuff to do, chop, chop, crack the whip. And I was like, no, sit down. That's not what we're doing. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have more fun. I'm going to challenge myself to be completely opposite of how I normally am. So I put my phone down and decided I'm not giving myself a timetable here. There's nothing I really have to do. Even the things that are on my to-do list, they can wait. We sat there until almost 5 p.m., so almost a five-hour lunch, and it went by so fast. Now, if for you that's normal, If it's normal for you to have fun on a regular basis, again, I don't understand your breed and I I want to learn from you. I am a student. Congratulations. You know, for you, breaking out of the numbing, the autopilot, et cetera, getting uncomfortable is going to be, okay, how can I be a little more structured? How can I be a little more focused and have my to-do list, et cetera? But for those of you who can relate to what I just said, I invite you to really, really embrace that. Even if it's just this is airing on Thursday. What if you just did it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? 
just for four days, you embraced this. So after our lunch, we, my husband and I already had a double date scheduled. Again, doesn't happen very often. I almost canceled because I was like, yeah, literally guys, subconsciously, it was too much fun for me. The rule in my head was saying, yeah, you can't do that twice in one day. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm going with it. So we went out with this other couple. And that's when I grabbed the outfit I just described earlier that was completely opposite of what I would normally wear, got uncomfortable, took the jacket off, et cetera. Well, when my friend who we were at dinner with said to me, this place has the best lighting ever, like in the women's bathroom. I was like, what? She said, no, seriously, the lighting is amazing. So we went into the women's restroom and I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) she's actually right. I know this sounds weird, but the lighting is unbelievable. Oh my God, I look good. I looked in the bathroom mirror and she's like, don't you? Don't you feel like you look 10 years younger? And I was like, I think I do. So we joked that we should have that lighting everywhere. But then I decided, okay, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I am not someone who likes to get my picture taken. I get very uncomfortable. Again, an entire episode is going to be devoted to that if you can relate. So I decided I was going to take a bathroom selfie. So not me. I mean, I'm very judgy about that, which of course points to my own fear and insecurity. So I took a couple of selfie pictures in the bathroom. and I can't tell you how uncomfortable I was. I went and used the restroom. And when I came out, she's like, oh, I've been having a little photo shoot with myself. She took like 10. And this person is not someone you would call vain or superficial. She's just confident. You know, she was just having a blast. She was just going with the flow. And I was like, man, I still have so much growth that I'm excited to experience. So for you, I'll give you one more example. And I shared this in my Instagram story, and I got some messages from a few of my friends because of the workshop. And I, I'm so grateful for this. The the workshop that was created truly was a last minute decision. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you we had an amazing experience. I mean, I'm still getting messages from people. Women are saying this was so great. They're getting their teams on board. They're recommending it to their business partners, their sisters, their friends. And so it keeps growing. And many people have said, okay, what's next? Now, business-wise, the pattern that I've always fallen into in the past, and I would say logic would say, make a move here. These women are asking for some sort of a program. Some of them are asking for a mastermind. It is low-hanging fruit business-wise. Also, it'd be a blast. Also, it would help them. Also, it would be a great experience. I mean, forget income. It would just be a great experience. I challenged myself to not listen to my head. I challenged myself to get really quiet. And when I chose to get really quiet with that, my heart said, don't do it. I reached out. I think it's always a good idea to have a mentor. You know, I've talked about that. Invest in yourself financially and with time and always have a mentor and a coach. And I hired my first business coach I've ever had back in September. And I messaged Kayla and I said, okay, here's the deal. I've got this workshop tomorrow night. People are already asking me what's next. I can see the excitement. I can feel just intuitively that it's going to do very, very, very well. I think it would make sense for me to have some sort of offer for them. I don't know how you do that. I have not walked that path yet, but it makes sense to me, but I'm just not feeling it. And she wrote back just with one sentence, what do you really want? And as soon as she wrote that, I felt it. And I wrote back, I have my answer. The truth is deep, deep, deep down, 
if I ignore my head and I ignore everything that I've just said that is logical and that everyone else would tell me to do. My heart is telling me not to do it. And we've talked about this on the podcast, how important it is to follow your intuition, your gut, your heart, which is your second brain, the Holy Spirit, your what, that divine wisdom, whatever word you want to give it, listen to that and follow it. I made a promise to myself after going to Sedona in December and having my beautiful healing session with Anahata. She said to me, my only advice is follow your intuition every moment of the day. And remember that when you don't, you'll sort of pay. She didn't use those words, but that was the message. And I decided to go against all logic. And I also took the risk of disappointing people, offending people, and causing people to not want to keep participating in what we're doing. And I let them know, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm following my heart and I'm going to pour into this podcast, pour everything I feel into this podcast, love on the community that it's creating, focus on and love on my family, focus on the growth I'm about to experience with this marriage coach that we just committed to and some deep inner work, healing, past trauma and things I still have not released and see what's revealed to me in the future. And after making that decision, it was like a weight was lifted off of me. So why am I sharing that? Because when we talk about numbing and we talk about breaking out of routine, it's kind of fun and it's, it's, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek, some of it, you know, oh, well, you know, what if you drink your coffee with your left hand? We are causing new patterns and we are breaking out of the numbing, but it's also some opportunity for us to do it at a really deep level. In other words, what I just described is doing deep work. It really is. But at the same time, if you focus on the deep stuff and get quiet, there are going to be things that everything else, the world, others will tell you to do, your brain will tell you to do. Every person would think you're crazy if you didn't do it. But if you quiet your mind and you truly tune into you, which is the voice of God, you will be able to go the other way and follow a path that is not understood by anyone, even by you. That's when spiritual growth and breakthroughs and awakenings happen. That's when true destiny takes place. So I invite you to consider that. Maybe even when you finish listening to this podcast, commit to how you're going to break out of your routine, how you're going to do the opposite, how you're going to go left instead of right, etc. Looking at the way you dress, looking at your home, looking at your routines, what you're eating, what you're drinking, all of that. And what if you took it further and you found just one thing, and I would say found through like journaling and meditation. And again, meditation doesn't need to be perfect. It literally can just be two minutes of quieting your mind and focusing on your breath. What if you did that and you asked God, what is a decision that makes no sense to me, but makes perfect sense to you? What is a path that I'm not allowing myself to see? Please reveal that to me and I will take it. The thing I'm going to share with you that seems like not a big deal is the one that haunts me. My daughter doesn't even remember this. I actually brought it up with her and she was like, really? I don't even remember, mom. That's weird. Why do you care? So one of them is that my oldest daughter wanted to watch one of the Star Wars movies. 
She was really into that kind of stuff, which I think is super cool for a young girl. And I encouraged it. I loved it. And she wanted to watch it with me. And I had things I wanted and needed to do. I was neurotic back then about having my kitchen clean. It's like I was felt so anxious inside. It had so much chaos inside of me. I was doing no self-development because I didn't know what that was that I tried to make everything around me perfect, right? And so I couldn't breathe until my kitchen was clean. I had to have it clean. And we had this white tile and I would literally scrub it by hand. I had a teeny tiny kitchen, so it didn't take too long. But I had to have that done, so I thought, for me to be able to just relax, right? And be able to get on with my day. And she wanted to watch this movie, but she wanted to watch it with her mama. I wasn't working that day. I totally could have done it. I knew that I wanted to clean the kitchen more than I wanted to watch the movie with her because I wouldn't be able to relax watching the movie if I knew the kitchen was dirty. So I sent her down there. I got took her down there. I got her all set up, turned the movie on. I even gave her a Sprite, which was very rare, and some popcorn. And I don't know how old she was. I wish I could remember. I would say she was like six or something like that. And I turned the movie on and I was up there cleaning the kitchen. And I kept thinking just a little more, just a little more. Almost done, almost done. And she would yell at mom, mama, come here, mama, it's a good part. And I would say, I'm coming. I'll be there in just a little bit. I knew I wasn't going to be there a little bit. I kept cleaning. I kept cleaning. I kept thinking, oh, she'll get distracted. She'll get distracted. And finally, the kitchen was clean. I could breathe. I'm like, oh, I feel so good. Oh, I'm going to go down and watch the movie with her. I walk down there and she's grabbing her bowl and standing up. And the credits are rolling. And I said, oh, I came down to watch the movie with you. And she said, mama, the movie's over. I waited this whole time for you and you never came. And she had the saddest look on her face. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I didn't even know what to say. The truth is, I wanted to get the kitchen clean and there's nothing wrong with that. I needed to get the kitchen clean for my own mental health. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't feel confident saying that to my own child. So I made apologies and I basically jumped into that pool of guilt and took a swim right in front of her. That right there wasn't great parenting, right? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I'll do it next time. I'll, 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 you know, and I, I just fed that. And encouraged her to be disappointed and upset. So she is now 22 years old. And if I ever think of my parenting or talk about parenting, that's something that haunts me. And again, you might be listening to that saying, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that's what you feel bad about? Trust me, I've done way worse. I have spanked my kids harder than they should be spanked. I have screamed and yelled at my kids. I have screamed at my children in... I would say what I would call rage that was my own pain coming out, my own need for a release, my own trauma coming out, triggered by stressors, you know, in my life environment, debt and the person I was married to, that situation and not having enough sleep because of work, et cetera, hormones, whatever. But it came out and screaming at my children. So trust me, I can be right there with you in naming things that I really, really regret. But that memory of the disappointment that she had and that the way I felt talking to her about why I hadn't come down there has never left me. I have other memories that quote haunt me, like the kids asking for back rubs and 
me wanting to give a back rub, but also just needing to rest. You know, I'd worked, I was exhausted. And I'm like, I just can't do it tonight. And then the next night you realize they stop asking. They stop asking for that. And then you think, oh my gosh, it's because I didn't give them a back rub. Or when was the last time they asked? I wish I could remember. I want to go back there. You know, obsessing over that. Picking my kids up late. Does it hurt the kids to have their parent pick them up late? No, it doesn't. Now, not having clear communication about it and doing it chronically, mm, it doesn't hurt them, but it definitely can create a story in their head that they don't matter, et cetera. But the guilt I have, not just over being late chronically to pick my children up from school, it's a specific memory. It's a specific memory of my daughter, Julia, sitting in the principal's office in the lobby area, waiting for me and saying to myself, I can't believe you did this again to her. And the look on her face, hi, Julia. Hi, mom. I'm really sorry. I know you are, mom. Let's just go. And then me creating in my head a replay of what it was like as each mom picked up their child one by one. My daughter's out there with all the kids. They're all laughing. They're talking. They're ready to go home. And then less kids and then less kids and then less kids. And then she's watching the last few kids get picked up. And she's looking around and there's hardly anyone else there. And then it's just her. And then the teacher says, it's okay, Julia. Let's go inside. Mommy probably got busy. She'll be here soon. Okay, do I know that that happened? Well, I'm pretty sure it did. But you see the narrative I have created? I've made this into the saddest movie. What if it didn't happen that way? What if she was chit-chatting with her friends and talking with her teacher and laughing about school and said, oh, my mom's not here. No big deal. I don't know. But I do know that that's how I've played it in my mind on a continual loop for years, for years. Again, that's probably something I should have apologized to her for, which I have, by the way. But it's done. It's in the past. And I know you're doing the same thing. I know there are certain memories you have, specific memories that you regret, and you're punishing yourself day after day after day. And we're going to talk about how to clean that up and how to move forward. But I just want you to know that you're not alone. So many moms do this. I would say most moms do. But if there isn't something that sort of haunts you, there's just this overwhelming feeling that we're screwing up that we're messing them up, we're not doing enough, we are not enough, we're getting it wrong. We've got this whole story that other people are doing it better. If we had a do-over and we had another chance and we could take a mulligan, it would be different. And the truth is, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be different. Or if it would be, that same thing would show up somewhere else because there are lessons that we are getting and our children are getting through this experience that need to happen. And many of them happen at the cost to our own ego. We are so in love with the idea of being the perfect parent. And and many times we won't call it that, right? We'll say, no, I don't need to be perfect. But truly under the covers, right? Behind closed doors, not the highlight reel, right? The behind the scenes when no one is listening. And we're just with ourselves. We actually do wish we could be the perfect parent. That we want to just get it right. And we're never going to. First of all, what is right? 
there are three ways that we do this. The first is through comparison. The second is perfectionism. And the third is letting our own internal stuff, I'll call it, cloud what we are seeing and cloud our decisions and tell us this lie that we are getting it wrong. And the interesting thing is that third one, our own stuff, it exacerbates the comparison and perfectionism. It calls for comparison and perfectionism. It creates comparison and perfectionism. And it's like taking comparison and perfectionism and putting them on steroids. Once we look at this third piece of cleaning up our own stuff, looking inward, finding the real us, we not only won't want to be perfect, we won't need to be perfect. We won't compare ourselves, believe it or not, to other parents. If we do try to be perfect, want to be perfect, want things to be different, compare ourselves, it will be like we've said episode after episode, us pulling into that parking spot, seeing the parking meter, and instead of putting in every coin we got, we'll put in 25 cents or maybe 10 cents or five, or we won't even put any coins in at all and we will we'll pull out and leave. I promise you, I've seen this myself. I've been working on this shit for years and I can see it in me and I'm a slow learner because I've been addicted to and in love with guilt and the need and desire to be perfect my entire life. Parenting has just put it on a platform and made it even bigger and harder to fight, but I have made so much progress and I want to help you with this. For years, I didn't just think, oh, I have some mess ups. I have a few experiences with my kids or memories that I really feel bad about and they kind of haunt me, right? Okay, that's putting it mildly. The truth is that and I thought I was a bad parent. I seriously thought I was a bad mom. I I 100% believed I was a bad mother. I believed that in my heart and I know I'm not alone. I know there are women out there who are, quote, doing well and doing the right things and they're being very efficient and they're, you know, getting their kids on the bus and they're doing everything they're supposed to do and loving their kids well while secretly feeling like they're a horrible parent. Not just, oh, I wonder if I'm messing things up. I wonder if I'm getting this wrong. I wonder if they feel like a bad mom. Okay. So for those of you who can relate to that, I hear you, sister. I see it. I'm you. We are twinsies. Okay. So how have I moved beyond this? It's still a struggle, but besides this journey inward that I'm taking you on now in this podcast, I did something very, very simple. And at the time, it felt like it was not going to do anything. But I started writing down the statement that I am a great mom. I started telling myself that I'm a great mom. On my vision board, I put pictures of me with my kids and I looked at that and said, you're an amazing mom. You're an exceptional mom. You're a wonderful mom. Your kids love you. They love and appreciate you and they think you're a great mom. I said that to myself over and over again and wrote it down over and over again. And I swear to you, it works. I was able to rewrite that story and reprogram my brain. And I really did start feeling like I was a good mom. And again, if you go back to the head trash episode, you'll know that I started collecting evidence to prove that was true. I started looking throughout the day to find evidence to prove that I was a good mom because my story was that I was a bad mom. So what was happening? I was looking through that lens and finding evidence to prove that that story was true. When I flipped that script and I started looking for evidence to prove that I'm not just an okay mom, not just a good mom, not just a not screwing them up mom, but a great mom 
and that they think I'm a great mom. You guys, the evidence was there. It was there. I went back and I collected, I'm actually looking right now at a few. I collected old cards and notes from my children from when they were little and I put them in my home office. One's kind of far away from me right now, so I can't read it without my glasses. But I have two of them right here. And I didn't even realize they were there until I said this to you because I'm actually recording my podcast in a different location today. I normally am not at home. And this is how God works, right? I'm talking to you and I glanced over and saw them right there. And there was one from my daughter that says, I cherish you. She would never say that to me, but I read that and realize that she does cherish me. So that's what I did. That was part of it. But the other part was the hard work. Okay, so when we look back at the three ways that we sabotage ourselves as parents and and bring on the guilt and welcome the guilt, bathe in the guilt, shower in the guilt, baptize ourselves in the guilt, it's comparison, perfectionism, and then letting our own stuff cloud us. So let's look first at comparison. We're looking at every other parent and thinking that they're doing it better than us. And every now and then we'll look at parents that we think are horrible parents to make ourselves feel a little bit better. But for the most part, we're comparing ourselves to people we think are doing it better. And we think almost every parent is doing it better than us. Let me just tell you that, first of all, they're thinking the same thing about you. And you have no idea, no idea what's in their heart, what's in their head, and what's going on behind closed doors. It may look perfect because they have the Christmas card out and their kids are all going to the right colleges or they're going to college (laughs) and yours aren't or whatever. But the truth is they have shit. They have pain. They have stories. Their kid could sit on a couch and talk to a therapist for hours too. You don't think so? It's true. Every family has their stuff and every single child has stuff they have to work through, like that caterpillar who has to work those wings and make them strong before they can break through that cocoon to be able to fly, that struggle. Every child needs that. And so no matter how perfect it looks to you on the outside, I'm telling you that there's stuff that you don't even see. When we look at perfectionism, this is the second one. With perfectionism, we are comparing ourselves to an unrealistic view, version, an unrealistic version of us. That woman does not exist. She doesn't exist anywhere on any level in any realm. When they say comparison is the thief of joy, I would say perfectionism is the killer of peace. So perfectionism is going to court you and entice you and try so hard to get you to believe you are not enough, that you have to be better and you have to constantly get it right. And you and I are buying into this. And if you think you're not, you would not be experiencing mom guilt. You think you don't want to be perfect. You think you just want to be a little bit better than you're doing it, right? I know what you're thinking. I don't really want to be perfect. I'm beyond that. I just want to do better than I am. Once you got there, you would want to be better than that and then better than that. And it would never be enough. It's an insatiable dance with something that is so lethal to your peace. So every parent battles this. And the third is our own unresolved stuff. And if you've been listening to this podcast, 
from the beginning, you know what I mean when I say that. Your own feelings of not enoughness, your own past traumas, little T or big T trauma, your own stories that you created when you were a child about the world, about people, about yourself, about money, about looks, about everything that are not true. The lens through which you see the world, that stuff is not just creating this story that you're not doing it right as a parent. It's feeding the comparison need and the perfectionism need. It's taking comparison and perfectionism and making them so much more powerful than they need to be. You've invited them into your life and now your own stuff that's unresolved is just feeding them and feeding them and feeding them. And they're just getting bigger and bigger. So the solution, and I'm certain of this, is this third piece, looking at ourselves, looking inward, looking inward and saying, what is this stuff that is unresolved? Me feeling that awful feeling when I picture not picking my daughter up from school on time and the disappointment in her eyes and on her heart and in her on her face, that has more to do with me than it does her. She probably was sad. It probably did feel like shit. She probably was embarrassed. She probably did get frustrated that it happened over and over again. But you know what? If you just have the conversation with her and say, look, I messed up a lot and I'm so sorry. How did that make you feel? I'm sure it did. Will you accept my apology? Do you forgive me? Yes, done. Then you and I have to turn around and forgive ourselves. But the biggest question is, why does it hurt us that much? Why does the idea that she's disappointed there waiting alone? I can tell you, I know mine. In fact, I never really thought about it until this minute. As I was just saying that, I realized the reason that haunts me is because I was abandoned when I was a kid. I was always left. I was forgotten. I felt invisible. I didn't feel that I was important or that I mattered or that anyone loved me. So that's why I feel so much pain when I picture my daughter sitting there. Another mom who has a different wound than mine might look at that and say, oh, actually, that didn't haunt me at all. I mean, I felt bad. I'm sort of messing up doing that, but whatever. But she then feels haunted by something else that isn't a trigger for me. You see? So these things are triggers and they're gifts. They're gifts for us to be able to look at ourselves and say, what do I need to heal? My advice is you should never be ruled by the opinions of other people. You don't want to live your life based on that. And there are certain people that should be on a very, 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 very short list whose opinions should matter enough that if three of them say the same thing to you, you stop and you reevaluate. Or if one of them who's an expert in that area or a trusted advisor in that area says something other than what you're thinking, it doesn't mean that that trumps how you feel, but you pause, right? And you, you don't make the decision until you give it further consideration. Okay. The second lie again was that their opinion matters more than yours. It sounds so silly, but we do this, right? We make a decision about like the hair example, right? What will they think? What are they going to think? If I wear this, you know, if I have my hair this way, you know, look at trends, you know, you see teenagers doing this. And those of you, I have some young listeners who are listening and those of you, young men and women trends, if you want to follow a trend because you, you just like it, you think it's cool, do it. 
But if you're following a trend just because you think you should follow a trend, run the other direction. I've always loved not following trends. You know, I'll follow a trend if I want to, but it's because I want to, not because other people are doing it. And I I like that the way that feels. So when other people, when you give more value to their opinion of you than yours, it's like putting yourself in a mental and emotional and spiritual prison. And many of us don't just do this sometimes, but our entire life is this. What will people think of my yard? What will people think of my home? Now, to not care what anyone thinks, again, okay, no one's living that way. If you don't care what anyone thinks, then you're going to just, you know, walk around naked and go into the grocery store with no clothes on. And I mean, there, there are extreme examples of not caring what anyone thinks. Again, you know, let's make it relative. We'll keep it relative here. But when we look at others and we allow their opinion to matter more than ours, oh, that's not a good place to be. That is not where freedom lives. That's not where joy and peace live. They do not reside there. So if you're choosing to pull your car into that parking spot, I hope when you look at the meter, you've got like a quarter in there, maybe 10 cents. If you're pulling into that parking spot and there's no meter, but you've got your name on the sign there, you might want to take a look, (laughs) take a look at that decision. All right. So again, for number two, Their opinion doesn't just not matter more than yours. Your opinion trumps theirs when it comes to your life and your decisions. Number three, they actually care what you do say and how you live. Like we have this idea, we, me too, that they're actually paying attention to what we're doing. I do this all the time. Do you do this where I'm like in a restaurant and I'm like, well, don't be so loud. Don't, don't, don't. They can hear you. Okay. First of all, who cares if they can? And no, they can't. Why? Because they're wrapped up in their own lives. One, they're busy. They have stressors you don't know about. They have struggles that you have no idea, secret struggles. You have no idea what's going on. They have their own head trash. They have their own stories and their own insecurities. And they're worried what you're thinking of them. They're worried that you heard their kid just swear. They're worried that you heard their eight-year-olds say, oh, now you're making me eating veg- eat vegetables at home. We never eat them, right? They think you actually heard that or that you give a riff, but you don't. The other thing is, what if none of that's happening because they're actually seeing the best in you? What if you actually do catch their attention and they're looking at you the way you would hope they would look at you? They're either looking at you when you're running into the grocery store with no bra on, you know, in your stained pajamas and your husband's shoes that are too big. And they're like, oh, I hope she has a really great day today. Either, man, she looks like she's struggling right now. I'm going to send her some love. Or what if they say, look at her. What a badass. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. I wish I could be like that. Right. So they're either too wrapped up in their own stuff and their own life to even pay attention to what you're doing, what you're saying what you're posting, how you're living, or they're not judging you at all. Not that it would matter if they were. So again, the three lies are one, that their opinion even matters. Number two, that their opinion matters more than yours when it comes to your life. And number three, that they actually care and are paying attention to and judging what you do say or how you live. You know, there are people 
who live an entire life based upon what they think other people are thinking and saying about them. They won't make a decision that aligns with their soul because they're worried about what others think of them or they get their sticky note confused. I'm 40 years old, but I'm so worried about what my mom and dad will think of me that I'm not going to make this big decision in my life because I don't want to disappoint them. When A, mom and dad's opinion of you does not matter more than your opinion of you. B, they probably just want what's best for you and they actually aren't going to judge you. And C, if you ask them, they would probably go even further and say, oh my gosh, it makes me sad to think that you would hinder yourself and your own happiness thinking about our opinion. We want you to live your life. It's your life. You know, you hear it said all the time, you get one life, it's your life. And I used to think that was so like too focused on self, right? And we hear that a lot. We do hear that. You know, a lot of people will say personal development and self-development is like focusing too much on us and on on selfishness and our own happiness and not caring about, you know, what God thinks of us or what effect it has on others. That really does not have to be true. It can be an and conversation. You know, when you're looking at, I'm valuing my opinion about my life, my life, more than the opinion of anyone else in the world, it can also mean, and this is what it means for me personally, when I say my, God's included. Because for me, again, personally, for me, everything goes through that filter. That's the big litmus test for me. What would God think of this? Because I don't feel that God is approving or disapproving of me or judging me. That, that's just not how I live anymore. I spent decades living that way. And if you do, again, that's not wrong. But for me, I know that when I quiet my mind and I really listen to my heart, and I talk about this in the ebook, that God speaks through the heart. When I tune into my heart, I know the answer and I know what decision that I should make. And I know whether or not the spirit that abides within me, that divine light, that divine love that I call God that lives within me, I know whether or not that decision will be in alignment with, not approved by, but in alignment with that higher power. So after listening to this, my invitation to you is to make a list of the people whose opinions matter to you and they belong in that sticky note. And you don't have to tell them, but what if you did? What if you said, hey, I just want to let you know that I've been really giving a lot of thought to my life and me being ruled by the opinions of others. And I want you to know that I admire you so much that although I will never abandon myself for anyone else, I do care what you think about my decisions. Again, I reject any judgment that would ever possibly come from you, but I value your opinion that much. Or you don't have to tell them. So number one, do that. And also, what if from this point forward, what if you looked around and every time you see someone and you feel like, oh, they're judging me. Oh, I know they're saying this. I know they're thinking this. Not only remember, one, they're too stressed out and busy. <laughs> they have their own things they're dealing with and their own head trash and stories and they're worried what you think. But number two, they're probably thinking something good, right? What if you did that? And then what if you also picture them wearing the gray sweatshirt that you see me in in some of my pictures on my website. It says, work in progress. I guarantee you that that sweatshirt will fit her like a glove because every single person out there, no matter how 
successful, whatever you want that to mean. He or she is, they have their own BS stories, their own head trash, their own insecurities, their own life struggles, and they're doing the best they can. They are not better than you. They're on a completely different journey. And if we could free ourselves of worrying about the opinions of other people, it sounds so simple, but I mean like really do it. I mean like literally today, just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm tired of living this way. Yes, I need to mow my lawn because I live in a neighborhood and I think it's respectful of my neighbors to keep my lawn looking nice. But at the same time, I don't care if Nancy and Bill look at my lawn and say that it doesn't look as nice as theirs. Or I don't care if I don't have my pots of flowers out on time on the front porch. I really don't care what they think about that, right? If I let my kid wear pajamas to school, really don't give a rip what people say because you know what? What matters to me is that my child is self-expressed. I really don't care what my own parents think of my decision to choose divorce. I care if it hurts them and I will love them through that, but I don't care what their opinion is of that decision. Again, if they're not on your sticky note list. What if we decided today together, if this BU Collective, to embrace that and truly step into that? Not just say it and say, oh, that'd be so cool, but literally do it. Like leave as soon as you finish this podcast and say, okay, every single thing I look at and observe from this point forward, I'm going to put through that filter. I'm going to realize that they're struggling. I'm going to realize they have their own head trash. I'm going to realize that they're no better than me. I'm going to realize that they're not even thinking about me. And even if they are, they're not on my sticky note. And you know what? The whipped cream and the sprinkles and the cherry on top of this is that they're probably actually thinking something positive about me, even if if they are thinking of me at all. What if we did that? Because our kids are watching. Our young children can feel that energy, whether they understand the words or not. They can feel whether or not we worry what others think. As you heard in my introduction episode, I wasn't just worried what people think. I was controlled by that fear. I had created this prison and I put my kids in the prison too. Their hair had to be curled a certain way. When we would go to church, you know, if they were making too much noise in the pew, I was just paranoid of what everyone thought about me. I wasn't a good mom and blah, 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 blah. Now that I have teenagers and young adults, I see it. I see them worried about what everyone thinks and social media has made it so much worse. They want to look like their filters. They want to change the way they physically look. They want to make sure that they dress a certain way. They take certain pictures. They want to make sure that they don't stand out too much at school. They want to be an individual, but they know that it's not cool to be an individual. So if we start living this way, imagine how that's going to affect our children, small or teenage young adult children, or just younger people out in the world. You know, what if you are at the store after hearing this episode and you see a 19-year-old young woman and she has a bright purple mohawk and an outfit that you really don't like and you can't stand her hair like that. But what if you walked up and said, I love that you are living your life like this. I love that you are expressing yourself. Tell me about this hair. I love that. Imagine, imagine the ripple effect that now it will have as she then spreads that to others. Because she is you. She's the younger you who needed to hear that. 
She's the current you who deserves to hear that. She's the future you who expects to hear that and doesn't care if she doesn't hear that. When you acknowledge the freedom and power in another woman, whether she's half your age, twice your age, or your age, and you acknowledge that willingness for her to step into herself and express herself as herself without apology, you're giving permission to yourself and to every other woman on the planet. And vice versa, when you do that for yourself, whether you say a word to anyone about it or not, people feel it, they see it, and you cause that change in others. So when we say be you, we really mean it. Be you, yourself, your authentic you, proud, loud, and free.